And welcome back to another episode of the Awfully Irish podcast. Today we're joined by Zeke Alton. How about you introduce yourself, Zeke? Sure. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Zeke Alton. Um, I'm an actor. I live in Los Angeles. Um, I do on-camera work, um, but the majority of my work these days is done in voiceover, uh, animation, video games, and things like that. Um, still relatively new in the business, and I'm what I would call a blue-collar working actor. So no one in the world's ever going to recognize me, but that's fine. I still get to do what I enjoy. Well, I mean, you're getting close to what you just did recently. You were packing Cold War. Uh, I am Peck in Cold War. I am also a wolf in the new um, operator bundle that's coming out uh, for Warzone. And if I count it right, nine other characters between Warzone and, and Cold War. Wow. Can you explain the wolf thing real quick? What's sure. So um, for those who are not familiar with the Warzone portion of, of Call of Duty, it's um, sort of the battle royale, drop you in a big island and you all kill each other thing. Um, and you can choose which operator you choose to fight with. And that's basically the graphic skin of the character. And uh, when they come out with new seasons, they'll come out with new graphic skins of the characters. Um, and each of those characters has a voice and line set for when they're throwing grenades or getting shot or screaming at their buddy or telling them where to go. Um, and so um, in the, the latest season that has just come out a few days ago, um, they're releasing four operators and one of them is a fellow by the name of uh, Terrell Wolf. And so I do his voice. Oh, that's pretty cool. There you go. Keep that's my eyes. Awesome. You can actually also play those operators across into Cold War as well. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how they're combining uh, modern mm. warfare and black ops, which is something you know they've never done before. It's, it's pretty cool. Looking forward to see how it turns out. But um, obviously, um, you know, mainly known for Peck. And but when you did the um, audition for for Cold War in the first place, did you know it was a Call of Duty game? Um, video games are a unique beast, and I I know that you're. Um, your guests before have said this, when you get a video game audition, you can guarantee that whatever the name of the, the game and the name of the character are on the audition, that is absolutely what it is not. So I had no idea. Um, for those that are like me, that are lifelong gamers, you can sometimes read the script and go, hmm, this is either Battlefield or, or Call of Duty, and then start to dig further. Um, same goes with like superhero games and stuff like that. You know, you're like, ah, it's a different name. He's missing his right arm, not his left arm, but I have a pretty good idea who this guy is. Um, so I, I found out officially, actually, that it was Call of Duty at the first session when I spoke to the writer. So kind of a last second job. <laughs> it's i mean you audition uh you book it they say hey you're gonna go in for this game and they give you the code name and then you go in and uh you walk in and uh this was during pandemic time so i was in a studio entirely by myself with everyone else on zoom which is kind of how they're doing it now and uh and the director said okay so first we'll tell you a little bit about the game that you're in it is this and you're like oh okay great cool let's let's move on um, so you can only do so much character building before you actually show up to the session. Video games is a lot like that. Mm -hmm. and was it was it kind of weird doing stuff during COVID? Very weird. It's um, I think 
I will speak for all voice actors when I say we're incredibly grateful for the fact that we could still work. Uh, most of Los Angeles, most of the entertainment industry and certainly Los Angeles came to a grinding halt last spring. Um, but you can record voice from home. So once they figured out all the technical um, kinks, we did a couple of months where no one went into studio, but I have a studio at my house and we just tunneled in and I was here and there were times when my sound engineer was in Mexico and my director was in San Francisco and we'd run the session that way. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that for a couple of months. Um, I wouldn't say that I prefer it. It's nice to not have to drive anywhere, um, but I personally do prefer to be in the studio because then I have a professional engineer who can prevent me, particularly with games like Call of Duty when you're, when you're using a lot of volume and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, if I have to work the technical side on my end, it just becomes a, a little bit of an extra challenge. Mm. I remember we were talking to Bruce Thomas, who plays Russell Adler in the game, and he would have to go bring muffins to his neighbors after a recording session because of all the shit. Well, he, he's a voice character for the multiplayer, so he would yeah. have had to scream a lot of grenades, get down. They probably thought they were going to be bombed, to be honest, which is like... <laughs> yep. Dude. I, um, I never thought of that. Our, uh, we, there's a lot of in-jokes in the voiceover community about having to warn your neighbors about what you're doing. If you're working on a horror game or um, uh, blood curdling screams, screaming, you're going to murder someone screaming, someone's going to murder me. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, you can really, I mean, you could get the police called on you because it can be disturbing for everyone else around. <laughs> I'm just imagining like, you know, someone calls the police and you're like, he's going to murder someone They walk in and you're going to record him booth. Just <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, you, you talk to your neighbors and you're like, Yeah, I thought maybe you were beating up your wife. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just, you know, I was beating up a pretend person in a video game, you know, it was no big deal. And then they're like, Really? Can I, can I see your wife? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, I just want to make sure she's okay. I want to make sure she's okay. Fuck. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so it's an interesting job, especially yeah. when you got to do it from home. It's much more relaxing when you're in the the studio you don't have to worry about how loud you're screaming or what time it is or or if i don't know what it is about los angeles but they love a leaf blower here um yeah good luck kids i know you you live in a weird place man like ireland's <laughs> weird but you're just a different breed i can't disagree with that yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no it is so weird like American is pretty much, and I said it, it's like the center of the world. Like everybody knows what's happening all the time. We're from oh, yeah. Ireland and your celebrities are our celebrities. We're on all your social media. There's no Irish social media. You know, it's like, yeah. we like to say we're Americanized the whole time because yeah. our culture is literally just American culture. It's but it, it's, it's still got like, it's, it's all Irish tones. Mm. Um, but yeah, even when, like when, you know, you had your whole presidential thing recently, there were, there were mm. lads going fighting tooth and nail with each other you know saying they're which whoever they, were, they would vote for mm. you know the idea that like irish guys will be, will be fighting and occasionally not talking to each other afterwards over trump or biden and i can't even vote in this like they live in a different country do you know where that is <laughs> it's, it's like, like when when they had like that uh that trump rally in nigeria like what was that going to do <laughs> it's a i mean it's a reflection of globalization right we're, we're a smaller world than we ever were and 
And in almost every facet of life, the United States has really an inordinately large amount of influence, both in the informational world in technology and entertainment and culture, militarily, we, you know, we got all that going on. Mm. Um, economically, we're a massive powerhouse. Um, so it's, it's hard if you live somewhere else and, and having grown up outside of America, I recognize that when you live in other parts of the world, you can't sort of get away from the, the, the elephant in the room, if you will, because what happens in America does tend to radiate out. What, what do you think that happens? Why? Well, I mean, you could take a, a person like Donald Trump, for example. Um, he could make decisions that would affect people around the world. Not that other global leaders don't. Um, it's just that it, it tends to have a, a larger impact because of the economic and political and informational cultural might of the United States. Mm. Um, and you know, when it, when, it, when it has potential negative impacts, people really start to listen. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is it, really crazy seeing like Trump heads over here, like lads who were just really into the guy and like, Oh, you're they, way they, too they, into they, your politics. Because you imagine if someone had like a, a, you know, vote for Leo sign on their character. How fucking stupid would that be, man? Dude. Like, you're, you're all about your politics over here. Like, it's nothing over here. Oh. We don't really care who wins over here. Everything kind of just stays <laughs> the same. We've had we've had two political, like, they're, how many, they're not even, can you explain it, Derek? Because you're, you're, you're more into this, like, how, like, our politics work and shit, man. Like, well, it's, it's similar to, um, in the states like it goes back to the civil war and it's a two-party system that only broke in the last election for the first time ever and um mm. even at that the, the group that won were so underprepared for winning that they couldn't actually do it mm. yeah they had to form like a We've coalition seen that before yeah 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 it's a bit like uh, if kanye's birthday party won it, like, last yes, presidential like kanye, election kanye won he, but he, he he had no idea what he was doing which probably would have happened if he had won i mean like, yeah. could you imagine <laughs> if kanye had won the fucking election it, this is why everyone um, watches the states you know people like kanye do this kind of stuff at, like some of the most serious times I would say I couldn't imagine Kanye winning, but uh, there was a time when I couldn't imagine Donald Trump being the U.S. president. So I just, everything's fair game these days, right? Dude. I don't know. It's a popularity. So, I mean, is, is, there, is there a parallel to, because I grew up in England in the 80s. Um, and so the issues in Ireland, Ireland um, between the Brits and the IRA were, were a big thing. Is there a, a level of parallel there where people have just, because of where you live or who you are, you are this and they are that. It doesn't really affect us because we're like, we're dead set in like in, in Republic. So it doesn't really affect us. Maybe people around the border, maybe Donegal uh, or I guess people like saying like Tyrone who, who think, you know, I'm absolutely Irish. Why am I part of the UK? That, mm -hmm. That's where you get, you get that kind of stuff. But, not, not really with us because, you know, we're so set in our place. Like, I, I, I could wander every town in this area. Like, the entire county, I, I could go to all of Leinster. There'd be very few guys who think they're English um, or should be part of the UK. But up, up north, it's a different breed. Mm. Now, whether that down, be down to your politics or your ancestry, I mean, it's up to people up there. Like, at this point, 
what's the point of me saying, yeah, we should have the North back? Because it's the same as forcing those people to just, I don't know. Yeah, it's the same as forcing them to live here. So, yeah, I don't know, that doesn't fix a problem. Yeah, hmm. that's a sticky situation of Marsh. But, um, that is a very patient view of it, though. Um, yeah. patience, I, I, patience is not necessarily an American trait. <laughs> no, it's, it's just I, I used to know because of I did history and I got super into it. And I was like super aggro on it before when I was younger. And, um, you know, when I grew up a little bit, I started thinking, Jesus Christ, that sounds so crazy. What I was thinking that or what like my, my thought process on it. And then, yeah, no, I, up, up to people up there. That doesn't doesn't mean shit what I think about mm. uh, if they should live down here or not. Cause, so what at this point? Mm. um yeah but uh that's a different, that's a different story altogether <laughs> <laughs> but we digress <laughs> yeah yes moving on swiftly thank you uh, <laughs> you know we're talking about the military power of the u.s as well you were um you were in the military for a long time before you became a voice actor i was um i graduated university in <clears throat> 1999 and um and joined the navy and uh, i was in the navy for 20 years um uh, lived lots of places all across the globe, deployed to lots of places, had many, many wonderful, fun adventures. And I loved my time in the military. Um, by profession, I was a, I was a test pilot. So I got to do a lot of fun and interesting things. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny. It was probably about five or six, six years ago at this point. Um, I was in the middle of a test flight <laughs> reciting my lines for a play that weekend <laughs> and i realized to myself yeah, i need to go ahead and make a change um, <laughs> so yeah that, that was the genesis of you should be an actor there you um, go you guys not have like we, military plays over there you know they, they do the, don't they you know like romeo and juliet uh, and stuff I don't know, I don't, I well don't i mean know. i did theater outside just in the community hmm. um uh, where I lived, I, I enjoyed that and sort of, I got so into it that um, it was, you know, you do something, it starts to take over parts of your life and and it's difficult to be a full-time test pilot doing all the engineering and flying and all the, the risk assessment and all that stuff when you're thinking about the, the comedic blocking that you have going on later. Um, so uh, I was getting not old in terms of a pilot but I was getting to the point where the younger pilots were doing the fun flying and I was doing the paperwork and the scheduling so it was a good it was a good time to transition out I think yeah um, didn't didn't Al do dancing in the military Jared or something salsa oh, dancing yeah he did salsa we, we, have, salsa. we, we had a guest on he was also in Cold War plays he's the operator Garcia in Al Cornell and yeah, he was also yeah. in the military and he did like salsa dancing for them you travel like the mm -hmm. world doing salsa dancing. That's, that's fucking cool, man. And Rachel, Rachel Kimsey from Black Ops Three. She she came from a military family. A, a lot of them do, or they mm. have some kind of experience. Like James wasn't in the military. James C. Burns, who played Woods, he but he did like training with some of these guys. He got to fly off to these bases, and I don't know where he was at, but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. Well, I mean, as an actor doing anything, you you really need to bring yourself to the part. And um, so if you're doing military work uh, as an actor, it's a benefit, you know? Uh, like if I was playing a doctor, it would be easier if I had a medical background. Um, so 
uh, I, I sort of leverage my skills and my time in the military um, to do the things I do in my acting. So I'm a natural fit for, for war games. Uh, I can bark at people all day like a drill instructor and not wear my voice out. The power to you. Um, I can, you know, I can speak very in, intelligently and with experience on what it's like to be a radio operator, a, a radio operator. Oh, I can talk a radio operator in an aircraft <laughs> because, because I talked on aircraft radios for 20 years. Um, so it's less acting and more just, oh, do that thing that you remember how you know how to do and make mm. it dramatic. Um, yeah. No, so, I said it definitely helps. And especially like a game of Call of Duty where it's literally just war, you know? Yeah, I mean, because when we got in, in session, the director, um, I, I do a healthy bit of dialect work. And so the director said, well, we need some pilots. We need the, the guys that you call in when, when you call in a chopper gunner or a napalm strike. And, you know, this dude needs to be Russian and we'd like this dude to be some sort of European. And um, so I'm like, well, I can talk as a pilot and you give me dialects if they're within my, my skill set, then we'll just, we'll run the lines for each of them. And that's how I ended up with multiple characters, um, different characters within the game. Yeah, that's that's fairly handy if you can kind of do different voices. You know, you'd, yeah. you'd be having a hard time as a voice actor if it was just a one. Actually, <laughs> what's funny is um, some of the most successful voice actors just do their thing. They do their thing and they do it really, really well. Um, particularly really? when it comes to like um, modern plot driven games, the Last of Us kind of mm. um, cinematic games, they don't necessarily want you to be, to, to have something that's put on. They just want a really good actor. So there are a couple of guys out there and, and gals who are generally often cast as leads. And it's usually just because they're such great actors and not because they're, uh, they're, they're able to, to bounce all around with their voice. The, the utility player is a very, Everyone thinks they are in voiceover, but it's actually a very small niche of people that do it well. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's, you know, it's, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. There's actually one, I, I didn't realize, we realized this in session. So there's a bunch of audio logs for Omega and Requiem in zombies, for those that are familiar with the, the Call of Duty zombies. And uh, I went in one day to just record a bunch of characters and, uh, we came back one day and we were doing Peck and we had quite a lot of Peck to do. And we were having fun with Peck because he's such a jerk. And uh, I said, <laughs> okay, well, we got this audio log and uh, this fellow Gorov comes in and he threatens Peck. And I'm like, okay, cool. Can we bring up the vocal reference for Gorov? And they bring up the vocal reference for Gorov and it's me. And so then I'm acting as Peck against myself as Gorov. Um, and as it ended up, I'm I'm pecking Gorev, but I'm also pecking his assistant Kukle, the guy whose eye you dig out. Wow. Um, so the audio logs where they're experimenting together or arguing with each other is also me arguing with myself. Um, you do that a lot. So th it's like a worthy opponent kind of thing. It's like the only man to take <laughs> me down is me. You know, you're, you're at least I know I'm going to win the argument. Exactly. You know, well, you know? But you're also going to lose the argument, which is like, yeah, that's the thing. you know, it's like yeah. glass is half full, right? We're there you go if you're that kind of guy <laughs> uh, no just just hop bouncing back to your uh, military experience what was your biggest takeaway from it oh, you, were, so, you were there for a long time so many um it teaches you soft skills discipline how to be on time how to talk to people how to take criticism 
how to know when it's when it's time to be blunt and upfront, how to take blunt and upfront from someone else, um, how to converse both formally and informally with different groups of people. We, I mean, the U.S. military is a is a tool. Any military is a tool designed to do one thing, right? Kill people, break stuff. But the U.S. because they pump all of their all of our money into our military uses our military to do everything. So I've been a mediator, I've been a negotiator, I've been an intelligence officer, I've been a maintenance tech guy, like all of those things, all of those different skills that are useful in day-to-day life are things that I drew from my military experience. Um, if, if I had to pick the best thing, I would say it, it, would, um, it would be exposure to the world as it is and not exposure to the world as as most people take it in through media. Um, I have traveled, I have seen a lot of people, I have met them, tried to understand their culture, seen their geography, eaten their food. And I think that gives me perspective, both as an actor to bring new and interesting things to characters, but also perspective as a human being to sort of understand that everybody's got, got something going on. And things are different around the world, and that's okay. In fact, it's better that they are. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. With like, you know, your view of it versus what you know, like the media might put out there, or what we think as a result of it. How, how different is that reality? The way I like to describe it is: um, people can be generalized and stereotyped. It's very, it's almost impossible to do that to a person. So if you look at, I'll just arbitrarily pick a country, say Japan. Japan is very culturally different than the United States or Ireland. Um, And so if your only exposure to Japan is in the the media that is fed to you through your media sources that you're used to, then you have a view. But then when you get in and you start to meet Japanese people and you talk to a person on a train or you have a chat with a storekeeper, you realize we're all human beings. We all want the same human being things. Um, their culture is a little different. Their food is a little different. There's some of it that's terrible. There's some of it that's amazing. Um, and if you take a sense of wonder uh, into it, you can learn so much cool stuff because <laughs> there's so much cool stuff out there. Yeah. Um, conversely, if you look at a place like um, Afghanistan, there is a view of a place like Afghanistan or Somalia or Iraq that I can only speak for, say, the average American has, and that it's what's fed to us by our media. And you think, oh, my gosh, it's war-torn. It's horrible. It's miserable. That's what we get to. There's still, they're still shopkeepers. There's still farmers. There's still family gatherings. There's still birthday parties. There's still soccer events. There's still life goes on. You know, um, we get hit with certain highlights of things. And it's often easier to forget that the day-to-day business of human living is, is kind of a standard thing. It's better for some than it is for others, but it is, we all love our children. We all want to eat. Uh, we all want to be safe. Um, so I think if, if you travel a lot and then you make the conscious effort to look for that, I think it broadens you as a human being. And so that's probably the most important thing I took from a military time. And, and my, my father's, my father was in the, the U S air force 
for 20 years before I joined the Navy. So I spent my entire life living on military bases and moving around the world. And, you know, now that you're out of it, um, like, do you, do you still have a desire to travel and learn about different cultures and how to carry on? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's one of the reasons I think that drew me to acting is because acting is an unending process of learning about new things. Um, only a fool would, would try to portray uh, a brain surgeon without doing some research on what that kind of person's life is like. Uh, and that goes for any uh, culture that you find yourself into or job that you find yourself in or place that you can portray that you aren't actually. Um, and so I like that. Um, I'm one of those people that I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of going back to school. I've had enough school for my entire life, but I do like learning things that I enjoy. So I think I can safely say that, that most people are done with school once it's over. I fucking hate it. <laughs> like the equivalent of what high school is over there. Like fucking hate it. My fucking life. Yeah. Stand school. I just get bad memories you know, thinking about it. It freaks me out. Like it really freaks me out when people like get out of school and the first thing that they want to be is a teacher. Uh, that scares me. It's, it's like, like it's payback time. <laughs> yeah. I would only do that just to go back and work at the same school with my teacher and call dude, them by their first name dude. every time I see them. Because that, that happened. Like we, we had someone like who finished like three years before us and then like they came in and they were like, a, I guess a teacher's assistant before they like did the work experience. It was really yeah. weird. I bet that would be, yeah. Um, <laughs> especially, it's easier, I think, as adults, but um, at, at that school age, yeah, to just turn it around like that, it's just kind of odd. Yeah. But, yeah, like a teacher who's nearly the same age as you. Like, that, that's, that's a bit freaky. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, power to him. Um, what, what did you study? You said you went to the university. Uh, actually, I, I ended up with a degree in chemistry, um, organic chemistry and ballistics oh, organic and stuff chemistry, like that. You poor son of a bitch. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Thomas isn't a fan of chemistry. Not a fan of organic chemistry. And you're going to say it's easier once it's in college. It's not. Mm. Okay, good. <laughs> it's one of those things where you can be good at something without necessarily having a massive passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty good at math and chemistry and physics. I have a passion for physics, but the other things are like kind of fun. Um, I learned how to learn. I learned how to research and study at university. I, I haven't used any of that knowledge uh, as, far, as far as, you know, mixing chemicals or, or building fibers and all the kind of stuff that I was doing back then. Um, I, you know, that was the first point in my life where I was like, well, I'm going to do and learn all of this. And then I'm going to go and join the Navy and do something entirely different. Yeah. I was thinking, did you really, did you get to, have you ever gotten to use your degree? No. There was a lot of math in that degree. And um, when I went to, so in, in the Navy, when you're a pilot, you go to flight school and then they give you your aircraft and you fly that airplane. Um, if you can get yourself selected to the test pilot school, that's a separate school that you go to. And that school is sort of a master's level in physics and aerodynamics and engineering. So the base that I had from university really helped me there. Um, 
That's a bit of a stretch, but that's, that's, that's what I used my, my university degree for. It was useful for that. Well, there you go. But uh, <laughs> in, in the States, your, your education system, uh, especially higher education system, that's fucking expensive. That is so expensive. And that's why, um, it's chiefly one of the reasons why I ended up in the Navy was because I ended up on a scholarship. So they paid for my school. And in them paying for my school, I owed them a couple of years. And um, that couple turned into 20 just because they kept giving me cool stuff to do. Um, can't complain. Yeah, there you go. It, it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird here. Like no, no one really knows anyone who has any military experience. You might know someone in the reserves. Like I have an uncle in the reserves and all he, he tells me about is how good the MREs are. <laughs> yeah that, that, that's literally it um i've had them too they're, they're lovely here my compliments uh, they teach you how to make a bomb out of the heating packet <laughs> no uh there's my there's my chemistry degree at there work um but yeah like in, in the states it's such a, such a big thing mm. like the term military family is, is a thing there and pretty much only there mm, like yeah. you're, you're not getting out here or if you do, it's like, what is like four of them on the entire island? Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I, it's a different culture within American society. That's what I can say about it, um, because I have lived places where there is very little military presence, and they have no idea what it, what the U.S. military is like. Um, Los Angeles is not a big military town. Um, when so you, you walk get a fair into bit of criticism, uh, actually, no, um, it's a good time to be in the military, whether or not you, you consider it um, superficial or not. Most people will say, thank you for your service. It just becomes sort of a natural thing. Um, and I, I'm appreciative of that. I think there are lots of people who should be thanked for their service, you know, teachers for one, uh, <laughs> Uh, doctors and nurses and emergency responders, especially in a time like now. Oh yeah. Um, so that, that's not bad. It's just, they're not, I guess when you walk into the room and you say, I'm a military veteran, they assume that you're either a Marine or a Navy SEAL. Um, there's, there's not, the military is its own society. There are people who spend 20 years in the military as bookkeepers. Um, so they, they have the tag of military veteran, um, but they're not, they're not war fighters. I myself am a pilot. I've, I've deployed to combat zones, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a war fighter. Um, were you now, in a situation I, where you were like that? Um, I remember flying flights over Iraq and Afghanistan and Somalia and Libya and other places that were not friendly. Um, but that's a lot different than, than kicking in a door in an unknown building. Yeah. Um, I have an immense amount of respect for my friends who are special forces folks and uh, folks like Al. I mean, he was a salsa dancer, but he was a Marine, if I'm correct. Um, and not, not 100% sure. I can't remember, to be honest. It was a while since we interviewed that guy. Yeah. Marines are, uh, Marines are, are an interesting service in that every Marine is a rifleman first. So it doesn't matter what you do in the Marines. The first thing that you are is a guy with a gun. Um, not so in the Navy. 
uh, you're a guy at, at the bar with a beer, I think, first. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't imagine being a pilot, you'd need much, uh, I guess, rifle training. We did it. Um, because if you're going to uh, fly over combat doing Overwatch stuff like that, there is always the chance that someone's going to shoot you down or you have an engine failure and you have to land. So, you know, we, we carried and I'm a, I'm a red-blooded American, so I own firearms. Um, I shoot at the range maybe once a month. But the interesting thing is for me, I do that as, as practice for my acting career. Um, because a lot of the things being a military guy that I'm going to do as an actor are going to involve military guys with guns. So I just yeah. keep my skills sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, as, long, as long as they make, you know, action movies, they're going to need guys like you. <laughs> I don't think we're running out of those anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but are you just going to, are you going to limit yourself to being the military guy or do you want to broaden your experience in acting? So that's an interesting conversation that we have all the time. Um, so there is a term called typecast, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, Some guys and, love it. Well, I mean, the reality is unless you're a star, unless your name moves money in that attaching you to a picture, a picture or a TV show will get investment, then you have to fit into a sort of type so that when they're like, oh, we need this kind of person, they're going to think of a number of people. If you try to be everything, no one will remember you for anything. So to the best way I've heard it described is you get in the door in the type that people see you as, and then you have an opportunity to broaden your and, and show your full skill set from there. So um, as, a, as a working blue collar actor, I will work when work is available. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, we all have our limits of what we'll do, but... <laughs> Yeah. But I, I would like to have a job and get paid to do my performances. Um, we all wish and hope to be in a position where we can pick and choose um, and go, I've played that kind of character before. I'm ready to, to do something entirely different. Um, the, the one advantage of voiceover is that typecasting on camera is about here. Typecasting in voiceover is much more broad. Um, because I, I'm six Russians in Call of Duty Cold War. No one's going to cast this face with this Afro as a Russian dude on, on TV. Not that there <laughs> are not dudes that look like this who are Russian, but it's, it's about the perspective of, of, what, um, of what the audience is expecting. <laughs> yeah. I had a funny conversation with a friend about, I think it's, isn't it the Republic of Ireland's goalkeeper? As uh, a black dude. Oh, does it, I think there's a bunch of black guys in our our teams yeah that's and, and and uh and when he speaks at interviews he's he sounds he's irish so he sounds irish and that, Dude, that there's, takes there's this phenomenon here of like like a lot of people from poland moved to ireland like in the last 20 years and the polish mm-hmm. irish accent is just beautiful it's just beautiful i like i don't even know how to describe i'm gonna have to look that up like and everyone knows like it exists too. Like it's, it's its own whole thing here. Um, or same with like Lithuanians who came over here. Just, you know, an accent that shouldn't work with the Irish accent. It just fused and I know it's its own breed. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you you can't stop it when people get together and intermingle. Those accents, those dialects, the the people in general are going to blend into something. Um, that's one of the the wonderful things about globalization. I think. You you, you would think that would have happened in the states sooner. Yeah, you know, it can happen in Europe fairly fast, but in yeah. the United States, it's been a fairly slow process. We're we can be tribal in in the states, um, but you know to to define what's an American accent is an um, is as, as an impossible task as saying what is a a Chinese accent or uh, an English accent or you know dialects change by town everywhere you go and because America is so large and the mixing pot is so uh, broad um, you can hear some really interesting stuff yeah. especially in a town happened. like Washington DC that's very that's very international that even happens here in Ireland I wouldn't be able to understand someone in Kerry their accent is so strong or Donegal do you know in 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 for the Irish um, course, you have to do a listening where the whole thing's in Irish and you have to translate it down on the page. And so what they do is that they have one in the Donegal dialect of the Irish accent, which nobody fucking understands. Borderline it unspoken, is, it is, it's the most diverse one. It is near impossible to guess what they're even trying to say. <laughs> and they do it. Unless you're from Donegal, you're probably not going to get it right. <laughs> and uh, how, how do Donegal people sound, Thomas? I don't want to want to do it on the god What what do you do? How do you, I have a question for you guys? So how do you feel about the way that Irish dialects are portrayed in media, film, television, and games and stuff? What's that film coming out during with Emily Blunt and John Ham with the accent? They're fucking outrageous. It, it is terrible. They did a trailer for it like last year, and it has like it has um, John Hamm and Emily Blunt, and they're trying to do this Irish accent, and it sounds god fucking awful. I seen Alec Baldwin do one recently, and I nearly puked. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing is, like, two Americans who are going to watch that film starring these big Hollywood actors, this is what they perceive the Irish accent as, whereas we, the Irish people, know. That if anybody like that spoke here, we'd beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Your disgrace. But um, Pretty yeah, much. our our accents like very. Oh yeah, they vary. Yeah, a lot as well. Like in the west of Ireland, you know, the st at the end of every word is pronounced so much. West, you know, like. Really. Or if you go up north, like it's like you you've been kicked in the balls and it goes up with the octaves, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you go down south, um, they say bye after everything. They say bye. And mm -hmm. um, actually, no no joke, a lot of guys from Cork can get in trouble in the States when they start calling everyone bye because, you know, it has a different meaning in the States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, not, not a fun one to find out, you know, if you're just like a <laughs> country Cork guy and, you know, your first visit yeah. to the States. Uh, but then <laughs> in, in, even in Dublin, like, they have these crazy accents depending on what part of Dublin you're in. Yeah. And then, then here it's just... Nothing really. Even even Dublin. Dublin is such a small county in Ireland, but there's a completely two different dialects for North and South Dublin. Yeah, Thailand. South Dubliners and North Dubliners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accents are cool, man. Oh yeah. 
they're mad. They're very cool. And it's, it's, um, it's a scary place to be as an actor because mm. one thing I've learned is um, I find that authenticity is more important, but authenticity can, can remove you from the running of the job. Um, and that's a sort of a double-edged sword. You have to be aware, like, like you said, Thomas, who your audience is. If you're doing an accent for the American ear, they need to believe it. And oftentimes because people are not as worldly as they could be, their, their sole um, understanding of the accent is what everyone has been imitating the whole time. You know, um, that's why, you know, if you're British, you're either, you know, Colin Firth or Jason Statham, there's no in between or anything different. Um, so it's, it's, it's always a challenge if you're doing a dialect or an accent for the native ear. Mm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're really interesting to study, but it is, it's scary ground. Um, yeah. Do you ever hear like, I guess not, not Americans do a uh, American accent and it's ever sound awful? Like say Tom oh, Holland oh. or uh, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Funny story. Um, Hugh Laurie did um, what was the the television show that made him so popular over here? Um, House. We played oh, yes. played a doctor. If you guys are familiar with that, well, I grew up in England in the eighties watching. If you're familiar with a show called a, a little uh, was a little bit of Fry and Laurie, which was Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie, and it was very comedic and silly. and And I remember Hugh Laurie from a show called Blackadder, where he played yeah. um, the idiot prince. and uh, And then I saw him on television doing this what I thought was an odd American accent. And I was like, mm -mm, no, I don't buy it. No. Yeah. <laughs> but every American I've ever talked to was like, oh no, he's, I had no idea he was an American. Like, okay. Um, I will say that um, his American accent is good. I mean, that show was on long enough that he could fool anybody. And there are a lot of great, um, not just, uh, British but foreign actors out there that do amazing dialect work. Um, I'm I not sure. Fan now, Thomas. I can, can hear too. Ooh. That's quite loud. Um, it's a race car. Uh, I say so all the time. It's like you said, a race race car track. Yeah. He's on mute. He's so, muted himself. Yeah. But yeah, just a bad accent. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 like any other tool. Of, of performance, if you don't practice it, hone it, and make it better, it just won't be good. Um, so I, I, I appreciate actors that put a lot of time into their dialect work. If you're gonna do it, you might as well do it well. Um, and it's like any other skill. If you're gonna ride a motorcycle in a movie, you wouldn't do that in a shit, in a, sorry, in a poor way, would you? Oh, you can curse. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not noticed me cursing like a sailor throughout this thing? I, I try not to. I try not to. One of the worst I've heard in there, you've seen, um, oh Christ, it's going to now Fargo, is Martin Freeman's Canadian accent was, it was bad. It, it, it was still a great show. Oh, it's a, it's a fucking terrific show. I Season mean, one of Fargo is probably it's absolutely the best TV ever made. It's, it's incredible. But, it, 
I would say also there's a lot to be said for individual character because a dialect is a dialect, but as an actor, you're supposed to bring an individual character. And that character could be Polish-Irish, could be African-German, could but be look, anything. If you're not Polish-Irish. <laughs> I think very it, unique. I think it forgives some, some dialect foibles as long as you've made the choice on purpose. Um, because not every one person, even from the same town, speaks in the same way. Uh, so any character that you do, as long as the, for me, the, the measuring stick is, you never want to do a dialect that is a caricature of another person. Um, it has to be authentic to whatever you're doing, even if it's funny and silly and, and stupid. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> you know like you, you don't want to be doing like something that's, that's dodgy like going into stereotypes or whatever because i think we're a bit beyond that um yeah yeah but we'll, we'll see how we're we're, tr we're trying to be so there's I'll, I'll out someone not by name here but there's this interesting the voiceover community is is quite close in the united states and um there is one particular uh, voice actress who is Caucasian, but keeps a separate website for her urban ghetto African-American voices that she does. Um, essentially what we in America call putting on blackface. Um, and she continually works because when you're behind the microphone, nobody knows. Um, that's, I would call that dodgy. But uh, let me ask you something. You, you you play Peck, who's like a Russian guy, but I mean, like you're is not it, Russian. He's an American. Peck is an American. Oh, Peck's American. Yeah, I, I fucked that up. No, Cool uh, Clay. Cool Clay is a Russian. Yeah. Um, but like, wh wh where does that where does that line stop us? And that's where it's difficult. Because I, know, I remember the guy you... who played Cleveland in. Well, is he Family Guy? Mm -hmm. uh, he he got fired. Yeah. Or no, he well, quit actually. Yeah. He stepped away because he felt that um, his, I can't speak for him, but we, we do have these conversations a, a lot of the time in the community. Um, what, what auditions will you audition for? What jobs will you take? Um, is there a difference between doing it as the lead character? Because as a voiceover artist, if you're going in for a video game or an animation, when they buy your session, they've got three voices out of you for that price. So if I go in to do Peck, who's just like this jerk American. It's just like me being an asshole. And they want another character that's German. Well, I'm not German, but if you've got four lines and I know you can't hire another guy for a session to do those four lines in German, will I do them? Um, the answer for me is yes. That, that um, makes sense, yeah. That, yeah, that does make to, a lot of sense. Yeah. To a point, to a point. If you're asking me to caricature someone else's culture or language, for me, the answer is like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable with that as a performer. You ever been put in that um, position? Um, no, I think like every other uh, person of color, I've been asked to sound blacker <laughs> because my. Uh, what, is the, what does that mean exactly? Because again, we're going back to accents. You know, like you want to be like a a black Alaskan, a black uh, Southerner. Like what, that's, what that's, are you going for? That's what you ask as a follow-up. Like, so <laughs> I, I am black. Uh, you want me to sound more like me? Because, and I know I'm, I'm being silly about it because I know that I, I speak very articulately. Um, but at the same time, I do sound like a black guy because I am, you know? 
yeah, it that, would be that, like that me asking you weird. to be sound more Irish. Um, Dude, that would piss are, me off. You already but are. If, if someone asked me to do that, that would piss me off. I, what, you get the same kind of feeling? Um, like if you could ask to sound blacker, like, like what, what, old, what do you mean by that? The older I get, the less offended I get, I think, because I understand that it comes from a place of ignorance and it's on me. The onus is on me to educate and say, look, I, and, and I'm also aware, like I'm, I'm a, a, a brown skinned guy with a goatee and a, an Afro who's covered in tattoos. You're rocking it though. It's, it's just, and, but I mean, like when I walk in the door, the stereotypes that the world gives us as people, you see me in a certain way. Now, when I start speaking and I'm uh, a highly educated military officer who's incredibly articulate, or at least I like to think so, and, and educated, it does change people's view of me. But I have to be aware of, of, of what the visual is, particularly in my medium of entertainment, because what you get first is the visual. Um, so some people will look at my headshot and bring me in to read and then be surprised that I don't sound the way they expect me to. Um, but that's okay, because you can go find somebody who does. I sound like me, and I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't take as much offense anymore. I'm a little bit disappointed because we've wasted each other's time. If you wanted something different from me, and, and you don't want me as me, um, I, can, I can stretch within my acting tools, but I'm certainly not going to caricature anybody. Um, cause that's just not, I'm not down with that. I think you have to figure it out. I, I think you, you explained that probably the best you could <laughs> possibly. That, <laughs> that was a pretty that's, spot. That's, I, I give you a difficult question to answer, dude. You fucking, whoa. Nailed that, man. Dude. Fucking props to you. I mean, you, 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 you learn more every time you run into a situation like that. And so you, you expand your experience and are able to to tackle these very, very difficult issues in, a, in hopefully a better way. Not to say that I haven't screwed anything up because I, you know, that's how you learn. You screw up stuff every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you have, you have to make mistakes, learn from them. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah no, I, I really like your point. Like you, you, you don't mind doing like four or five lines like in a, as a German guy, but to like to go over the top with it or be a main character as it, it's a bit, bit different. So yeah, like I, there's a video game out there. I absolutely love uh, Ghosts of Tsushima. Oh yeah, great video game. I would love to be in that video game, but I am not going to go in to portray a Japanese character. Why? Because there are a ton of Japanese voice actors out there who are amazing, and they we can give that. you an they can give you an authentic version of that. But yeah. they also do need the like, like the English version too. Mm. True, um, and if you if you have a character that that I feel appropriately fits me and I can portray that there isn't somebody out there that I'm unfairly taking work from, then I'm all about it. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think that the issue with, with the, the guy, Mike, who, who wrote Cleveland was he created that character. And it was initially sort of a, a secondary ancillary character within Family Guy, right? And then he got a spin-off as his own show. And yeah. so it just kind of grew on its own. Um, so I don't, I don't hold offense or begrudge a person that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, obviously, I'm assuming he went, I'm not even assuming, like he went in there with good intentions. But, you yeah. know, the, the way the wheels have turned, you know, I guess it, it, it doesn't spin in his favor. He should, uh, but... I'm pretty sure he made the right call. Say, so, yeah, 
should I really be doing this? You know, I, I'm not black and I'm playing a black guy with like his whole TV show and I'm a side character in this thing. Yeah. It's certainly not a money issue for him, I would think. Yeah, so. that, 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 that's the difference though. Like you were saying <laughs> earlier, if it was like a smaller role or just to get in there, you wouldn't mind doing it, but there's no shortage there. You have your own show and you're like one of the biggest shows on TV. Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, there, there becomes a point, um, kind of like I said earlier, where your name moves money. Yeah. And if your name moves money, then you have a much larger impact on what entertainment properties you can do and how you can do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what's going on with that character now. Like, did they just retire it, retire Cleveland, or is someone else playing him? Or did they... I haven't even caught up. I don't know. I, I, I haven't have, watched it in a long have time. Have they made any new episodes since he stepped down? Or I don't know. I honestly don't know. Neither do I. He used to be big in the Family Guy, Thomas. I thought you know. Oh, yeah, but like newer stuff is a bit shit now it's a bit like simpsons you know how the simpsons just kind of turn shit like after a bit yeah. it's like you know what never got shit futurama i never watched futurama it just caught back up on pretty pretty, pretty spot on i know bender's supposed to be pretty funny he's like a robot yes. who, who talks it's, it's this whole thing man you'd have to watch futurama shut up shut up this is not the first time this conversation has happened yeah. no no it is <laughs> No, you, you say this thing and you're like, oh, just it's this whole thing. This whole thing, though. It's like they're in the future and one of them was like frozen and t- it's, 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 it's this whole thing, right? And it's like it's the entire premise. Anyway, Zeke, you've been an awesome guest. And <laughs> well, I just want to firstly thank you for coming on. Uh- <laughs> we didn't stick to the traditional kind of thing of what was it like to play this character, that character. Now we kind of talk about everything and you were, you were bang on with your answers. You know, you're pretty spot on it was a great conversation oh yeah yeah thank you guys for having me it's, it's wonderful to meet you and wonderful to chat and like i said we just get to learn more about people so. well, the pleasure was ours but uh, if people want to check you out where can they find you um my website is zekealton.com um my instagram is zeke alton i don't have twitter because i'm a troglodyte um <laughs> probably better off <laughs> probably better off I don't, I don't, I don't TikTok. I don't. Uh... Oh, that's a shame. I, th- I thought I'd, I would love to see you do Renegade or the WAP. The WAP. Snap, Snaptogram and the TikTok. <laughs> and Bookface and Insta, Snap. Yeah, and all the, all yeah. these apps. But yeah, and then you can, you can hate me in Call of Duty Zombies, or you can play as me, uh, coming out when Wolf comes out. I love it. Yeah, well, uh, there you go. Uh, You know where to find them. And as we say, take it handy and stay away from yourself. Good luck. Top of the morning, lads and ladies. Support for the Awful Irish podcast is now brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's global waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and you're no longer lead the luck of the Irish with the ladies. Manscaped just launched in Ireland. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can now be one of the first men in Ireland to experience their life-changing products. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code IrishPod at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code IrishPod. <laughs>